Morning. Wasn't that amazing? Thank you to the worship team. Please applaud with me for them. I, I am so amazed by them. As you all know, anything that's good takes a ton of time. Whatever you do in life, you're going to do a really good job of it. It takes a ton of time. So it's not only that they sacrifice their entire Sunday morning for us and for God. They, they, they spend time during the week. Their, their families sacrifice time when they have to be gone. So, so thank you to everyone involved in worship. Thank you to the families that sacrifice for that, for the gift that they are to our church. Um, it, it was so amazing this morning as you guys sang along. I've got to do like a mini sermon before the sermon. That was beautiful. I don't know what your week has been like, whether you've had a great week, a bad week, maybe you've maybe screwed a few things up, I don't know. But in those moments, we all got something right together. As they led us, we, we sang to God about how great God is. We sang how, how, how wonderful Jesus is together. Th- those were the right moments. In, in, those moments. in those moments, we were all pure. And it was beautiful that, that we all offered that gift to God, our feelings about God. So if you sang along, that was amazing. I was down front, and it was so easy to see, hear so many people singing. It was beautiful that we sang to God and about God together. Well done on that. We all got that right together for a second. It was beautiful. Um, a couple of suggestions. Here's the mini-sermon. When I am on vacation and visiting another church, um, I try to get there a few minutes early. I know it can be really difficult with kids. Um, but, but if you can, if you can get a couple minutes early and kind of get yourself ready for the service, like I'll always say a little prayer of confession if there's some things I screwed up that week. I, I do it here as well. A little prayer of confession to kind of get myself right before God. It makes the worship more meaningful because you don't have something standing between you and God. Or, and this is what happened to me in the first service. I was, I was blown away in both services. I actually got goosebumps from the worship in both. But um, in the first service, I was so moved during the worship time, it, it led me to confess like during the last song. If you ever feel that way, like, wait a minute, this week I kind of screwed this thing up or that thing up and I feel kind of crummy about it, the perfect time you get moved during the worship and there's always what we call a bumper video. It's like usually 30 seconds. It gives the band time to get off the stage and me to come on stage. During that bumper video, it's a great time to pray. It's a great time just to pray for me and say, hey, God, you know what? I screwed this up this week. I'm sorry. But right now, this morning, all my attention's on you. I'm focused on you. That's the kind of prayer that I would say. And for me, it makes Sundays more meaningful. So that's a mini sermon. Hopefully it helps you. I'm so excited. I think I forgot to, did I say who I was yet? My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm sorry if you're visiting today. I never even said who I was. I apologize. I'm just so excited. The music, my, the music is my favorite part of every service. So that was so moving for me. I, I huh. I got to get, okay, focus, focus. This last weekend, it, it's, it's a Memorial Day weekend. Now we have weekends full of um, graduation parties and stuff. It seems like this is the kickoff to summer. For me, Memorial Day weekend is kind of when summer starts, grill outs and all the fun stuff that we do. Every place I went um, during Memorial Day weekend, when I talked to people, everyone was talking about summer movies. Like they're excited about this movie coming out or that movie come out or, or maybe what their favorite movie ever was. For me, it's Rocky, if you've been here for a long time. Rocky 1 to 3, 1, 2, and 3, it's really just one movie, and that's amazing. So that's my favorite movie ever. But when we started talking about movies that were coming out this summer, I really wasn't sure, like, what was I most excited to see. Different people shared their opinions, though, so I thought I would do that for fun today. So we're going to try something today. We've never done it before, but we now have the technology to do it. So here's what we're going to do. If you take out your phones... I'm going to do it as well, and it's really simple. It'll be anonymous. Don't worry if you like some dumb movie. No one's going to know. Um, I'm sorry. If I said dumb out loud, I apologize. Um, If you connect to, if you go to your settings and you connect to RSD Public, that's the school Wi-Fi, go to your settings and choose that. Then you'll be on their Wi-Fi. Once you're on the school Wi-Fi, if you type in into your browser rccsunday.com, then you'll go to the right page. 
If you've done that before, it'll already come up. I've even saved that because we use it all the time now. It's, it's on my front page. I can just click on the icon. But once you get to the front page, um, it'll look like this. Did I do this wrong again today? There's a place on the front page. Did, did we get the, where does this thing where it says click on RCC survey on the front page? Did, did I, am I imagining things? All right, well, hopefully you saw it, and I'm just screwing up up here. But your favorite movie for the summer, are you most excited about seeing the X-Men, The Lion King, Men in Black, Spider-Man, or Fast and Furious? Come on, Men in Black. That's my vote. Men in Black. There we go. I wonder if I could recruit. Men in Black. Let's come on. Men in Black, Men in Black, Men in Black. Lion King. Wow. So that's just a little bit of fun. Apparently, there we go, men in black. Let's move that number up. I feel like I'm like a, like a telethon or something. <laughs> so men in black's climbing. We'll see. You guys can keep voting. It might take you a while to figure out the internet deal, but you go ahead and we'll just leave this up and you can keep voting and, and probably ignore me while you do it. That's all right. But so the most excited movie for the summer in this group right now is The Lion King. Keep your phones out. If you're still trying to figure out the settings deal, go ahead and do that as I'm speaking because we have a more important vote coming up. But here's why I say this. It's normal to, to talk with excitement about a movie you want to see or a movie that you like, your favorite movie. You, you talk to your friends about that stuff. It's no big deal at all. It should also be normal to talk to people about your life, your faith, your church. That should be normal. It should be normal to share life advice with people. If there's something you've been through, an experience, and you want to share it with others, it should be normal. It should be an easy thing to do. It should be normal to talk about how to live well whether it's restaurants or movies or whatever. It should all be normal. Except when it comes to life advice, lots of times it isn't. As we share life together and talk about life and share our experiences, it can be scary to share your experience or your life advice. It can just be scary because you don't want to step on anyone's toes. You don't want to offend anyone. People just don't want to hear it possibly. You're worried they don't want to hear it from you. There's lots of reasons you hesitate. And you know what? Maybe they don't want to hear it from you but they should want to hear it from God. We all should want to hear it from God. If God has direction for us, if God has life advice for us, we should want to hear that. That should be something we're interested in. We should want direction from God. So my real question this morning for the survey is this. When it comes to hearing from God, if you, if you do the next question on your survey, if it comes from hearing from God, when it comes to hearing from God, how do you normally hear from God? Is it through Scripture, like you read the Bible and you feel like God's talking to you? Is it praying? Praying. When you pray, do you feel like God talks to you when you pray? Is it a quiet voice inside, like you just kind of have a gut feeling, like God's talking to me and I kind of know it? Is it through worship? That worship dominated in the first service. People experience worship and God the, the most powerfully. Or do you never hear from God? Do you feel like God never talks to you? These are the options, and again, in this service, it looks like worship's number one. That's just like the first service. Um, I think a quiet voice inside was second last time. Third last time was prayer, and fourth was scripture. And it's kind of coming out the same way again. Prayer and scripture are a little bit flipped. There's lots of ways that we can hear from God. Everyone has maybe your favorite way. God sees himself as our parent, as our father. He wants to advise us like a father advises their child, as a father loves their child. He wants to give us life hacks. He wants life to be better for us. Parents, you have life hacks for your kids. 
There's advice that you want to give your kids. You, you, you advise your kids because you want them to be happy in life. You advise your kids because you want them to be successful. You advise them because you want them to mature. You advise your kids because you want them to avoid painful experiences. Maybe you've been through some things, you know some stuff, and you try to advise them of what they could avoid so they don't get hurt the same ways you have been. In every circumstance, you're doing this because you believe it's good for them. It's not fun for them. Lots of times when you advise your kids, they don't want to hear it, and it turns into a problem. That's, that's just kind of normal parenting. But you do it because you love them so much, you just can't go on without sharing what you know with them. That's also why God advises us. You see, as parents, we don't want our kids to learn the hard way. God, as our Father, He doesn't want us to learn the hard way. He wants us to avoid it. And, and sometimes in life, there's, there's, there's some th- silly things that you're just going to learn the hard way. It's, like, it's just the way life is. I've learned things the hard way. Um, one of them is this. When we bought our first house, um, it's expensive. Like, we didn't have a ton of money. You bought your first house. It's a fixer-upper. And there's, everything's, like, if you're young and you don't know this, here, I'm going to give you some advice. Everything's way more expensive than it's supposed to be. Like, whatever you think in your head, the bill's going to be at Menards, it's way more than that. So, like, you go around to rum and sales, and you try to get a lawnmower and shovels and all the junk you need when you buy a house, and it just adds up. So we're doing that. We're trying to get the house set up, and the yard was horrible, and people that already had houses said, you know what? you got to fertilize. Mm, all right. How much could fertilizer be? A lot. Fertilizer, if you go to the store, fertilizer's a lot of money. Surprisingly more than you would think it would be if you've never looked at fertilizer before. So the first time we went to the store, we bought fertilizer, and it was just more than I wanted to spend. So I didn't buy enough, right? I bought fertilizer, and I brought it home, and there's all the directions on the back of the fertilizer bag, and, and it tells you how to like do your yard so it's perfectly cross-matched or whatever, so it all turns green. Well, I, I wasn't going to read all that, and I didn't have enough fertilizer. So I just kind of, here, do we have a picture? I just kind of went around the yard and did what I thought was good. Now, this, isn't, this is nicer than my yard. In my yard, um, I didn't even do lines like that. I just kind of did squiggles everywhere. And I figured when it rained, it would all kind of rinse out and the whole yard would get fertilized. Instead, what I had was dark green, tall strips of grass and then dead grass all around it from the previous owners. It looked horrible. My friends were like, what are you doing? Don't you know any better? And we're brand new to the neighborhood. I'm sure everyone in the neighborhood thought I was an idiot. I had no clue what I was doing with fertilizer and I learned the hard way. I thought it'll be fine. It wasn't fine. It was embarrassing for months. Here's another one. Um, If you don't have children yet, I'm going to give you really good advice today because I care about you. If you have children and you have a little baby and your little baby's a boy and you're changing diapers, here's my advice. Bring an extra towel or something with you because if you don't, they might pee on you. Baby boys are known to pee on you. I learned that the hard way. I thought I could be quick about the whole diaper change. Not quick enough. Learn the hard way. Here's one last one. You can't leave bread out at my house. This is what happens. <laughs> I've learned that the hard way over and over for years. The dog is amazing. The dog has no clue what's going on ever. Someone could break into my house and steal the TV. I, the dog might not even notice. You open the bread bag, and she's like seven rooms away. She hears it, and she's there like that. And then she just kind of hangs around, like off in the corner somewhere, until you let it be for a moment. And boom, she's on it. Bread's gone. She's got a problem. Now, she's a nice dog. Normally, she's amazing. But I, I've learned the bread thing the hard way. It, 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 recently, it just happened again for like the millionth time last week in her house. Some things in life you learn the hard way. 
It's just the way it is. And, and you laugh about them, right? The yard looks kind of stupid. You laugh about it. You wise up and you hire a lawn service. You never have the problem again. Um, you, you bring a towel and you cover the baby. You, you don't leave about it. You learn. And it's not that big of a deal. I bet you you could have a list too. I bet you if you thought about it for a minute, you'd have a whole bunch of things in life you learn the hard way, and they're kind of funny. Some stuff is funny. Other stuff hurts. There are things in life that happen, lessons we learn the hard way, that hurt. They hurt in the moment. They hurt for days afterwards or for years afterwards, sometimes leaving you with memories that that just hurt. God doesn't want that for us. As our loving Father, God wants to give us advice so we don't have to deal with that hurt. That's what God wants for us. God has solutions for us so we don't have to learn the hard way, and they can be found in the Bible, specifically in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is known as a book of wisdom. It's a book of wisdom given to us by God as a life hack. There's advice about everything in life in there so that we can have the ability to live successfully. And that's our summer, our summer, our summer sermon series. We're going to look through the book of Proverbs together, and each week we're going to find advice from God on all different areas of life so that we can live more successfully, so we can mature, so we can be happy. Just the same stuff that we wish for our children, God wishes for us. And your life will be better if you listen to this wisdom from God. Not from me, not from who's ever speaking, but straight from God, straight from Scripture. Your life will be better. Imagine how much better your life could be if you chose to be directed by God. In every aspect, 100% of your life directed by God, your life's going to be better. But even 90% or 80% or 70%, your life will be better as directed by God. That's the goal for the summer. And we can be a more effective church, a healthier church, as all of us together as a big church family, if we're all living in a more God-directed way, it's naturally going to make the church family healthier and better and stronger and more effective in our community. We're super excited about the series as a staff. What you need to know about Proverbs, just a little bit of background knowledge, a man named Solomon, King Solomon, is the principal contributor. He's what put most of the information in the book. He was a king. He's known as one of the wisest men ever to live. He was David's son, David and Goliath, King David. It's his son, Solomon. He wrote this about 900 years B.C., or about 3,000 years from, ago from now. There's 31 chapters. Most of the time we'll talk about two, two chapters in a week sometimes a little more or less. And what's amazing about Proverbs, what I'm hoping you'll you'll understand this summer is, what's amazing about it is that the information, the advice shared is, is timeless. It was great advice then, and it's still really great advice now. It's timely. It's timeless, and it's timely, meaning you can use it this week. This can make your life better this week, even though it was written 3,000 years ago. So, so who's interested? All right, four of you. Um, How about if I say it this way? God wants to help you live successfully. Who's interested? A whole bunch now. Good. All right. That's great. Well, we'll get started. Chapters 1 and 2 in Proverbs, they're like an introduction to the entire book. So this morning's a bit of an introduction. Listen to how it begins. Proverbs 1, verse 1. Listen to how it begins. These are the wise sayings of Solomon, David's son, Israel's king, written down so... Watch that. So we'll know how to live well and right, to understand what life means and where it's going, a manual for living, for learning what's right, just, and fair, to teach the inexperienced the ropes and give our young people a grasp on reality. 
That word so, that's a really important word in the Bible. It's a, it's a small word, but it's a big word in Scripture. Anytime you see the word so, you've got to look for something important coming after. That's God explaining something to you. He says so in Scripture, and then he explains something, and this is what he does here. He tells us why Proverbs was written. He says Proverbs was written so young people can get a grasp on reality. What's interesting, though, if you're sitting in the room and you're going, I'm 40 or 60 or whatever, I'm not young, that's all of us to God. We're all young people to God. So it's not just for your children. No matter how old you are, you are a young person before God because God is timeless. So it's written for you to give you a grasp on reality as seen by God, not by you. It's written so that we can understand what life means. That's the intellectual part of Proverbs, the understanding that goes on in your head. Proverbs is written so you have a better understanding of life and of God. And then finally, it's written to know how to live well. That's the application of it. So you get an understanding of what God is saying, and then it's written so you can actually go live it, how to live well, to enjoy life, how to have a successful, blessed life before God. That's why Proverbs is written. It's a manual for living. That's amazing. God has given you this manual for life as a gift. Now, I don't know if you're like me. Here's the problem. Um, I'm not a manual guy. I'm not a manual guy. Um, here's my, my best example of how much not a manual guy I am. I really like fishing. You all know that. Um, I, I got this manual for the depth finder on my boat. It is, it's a hummingbird. So I asked Kathy. Kathy Rowland works in the church office with me. And when I do sermons, I ask her to get pictures and stuff for me. So I'll think of, hey, I want, a, I want a basketball player. Give me a bunch of basketball player pictures that you think I would like. And she'll get me like five, and then I'll pick the one I want to use for the sermon. That's how it works between Kathy and I for different uh, media things. Well, I said I wanted a picture of a hummingbird, and, and this is the picture she gave me. So um, that's when I realized Kathy was clueless for fishing. But w- what I really wanted was this. This is what I was looking. So they don't look at all alike, but this is what a depth finder looks like on my boat. And, and when I got my depth finder, which is like 10 years ago now, it came with this manual. Look at this. That, that's like ee, 100 and some pages. And you know how many I've read? Want to guess? Zero. 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 And then zero. And, and then uh, zero. And, and then it came with these things. I think they're DVDs. I, I know they make good coasters, but um, they, they've not seen a computer yet. I'm not a manual guy. And I, and I love fishing, and I wanted all that information, but I'm so not a manual guy. That would just be painful for me to have to read through there and try to figure it out. So I want to I go to the, the, the unit itself and try to figure it out. It's dumb. I'll be the first to say it's dumb. I know so many people that can use their definers better than me because I just haven't taken the time to learn it right. I so much don't like manuals. It's dumb. But it's really dumb. It's really foolish when God writes the manual. It's a little dumb to not look at the hummingbird manual. It's really dumb not to listen to God. Here it is. God says it himself. Proverbs 1.7. God says, start with God. The first step in learning, first step, good, I like steps. First step in learning is bowing down to God. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. <sighs> Maybe you weren't ready for that bit of harshness this morning. God says, You are foolish if you don't listen to his wisdom. I'm not saying it. God's saying it. I have not listened to God sometimes. I'm as foolish as you are. But it's foolish not to listen to God. That's what he says. 
And, and frankly, sometimes we're just too dense. We're just too dense. We continue to make the same mistakes over and over again, ignoring the obvious, ignoring good advice, looking for complicated answers in life when, when sometimes God's answers, God's answers, God's teaching is downright simple and straightforward. God doesn't want us to be foolish. He wants us to listen. Now, I know that was kind of harsh, a little bit like a punch in the head this morning, so I'm going to soften it with a fun video clip right now. Take a look. Go. <laughs> Go. Well, tell me, tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive, and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. All right, well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most We find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here, you're there. Stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes! S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you... you, you you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> it is. Then stop it! I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, no, childhood. No, no, no. We, no, we, we, we don't go there. Just, just stop. So I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. Good girl. So hopefully that was a little bit fun for you. God doesn't exactly say stop it, but when you go before God, he says bow down. He doesn't say stop it, he says bow down. It's the very first thing, right? Start with God, the first step is bowing down. That's what he says, bow down. Are you willing? Are you willing to bow down to God? And what does bow down even look like in 2019? Right? That was written 3,000 years ago. Was bowing down different then than it is now? I'm not really sure. It doesn't say. But I can tell you what it looks like for me in 2019. For me to bow down before God, that's me asking God in prayer for understanding. It's like, hey God, I don't really get this. I don't really know how I'm supposed to think about it. Would you help me? Would you show me? That's, that's bowing down. Asking for his guidance. Or, or, or bowing down is asking God for knowing how to apply it. Like sometimes we, we feel like we know something, but then what do you do about it? 
So you bow down in prayer. You just say, God, what, what am I supposed to do? Can you, can you please tell me what to do? Bowing down simply means to listen. It means to listen to God. It means pay attention to God. When there's so many other things distracting us, including our own preferences, because it's not really fun to bow if you, you think God's telling you something different than what you want. That's really hard to bow then. I want to do this, and God's telling me to do that. Super hard to bow. But bowing down to God is, is listening and then paying attention to what God says. It's in Proverbs. I didn't make it up. Proverbs 133. God says, first pay attention to me. And, and here's where it gets good. We talked about being foolish and having to bow down. But listen, first pay attention to me and then relax. Now you can take it easy. You're in good hands. Bowing down means prayer. It means listening to God. And it means relaxing because you can trust God. God knows more about everything than you do. Whatever you think you know a lot about, God knows more about that. And everything else there is to know as well because he's God. So you can relax. Even if you're just trying to listen to him and, and maybe you even screw it up. I thought, God, you told me to go here and I did it and, and you, you turned out to be wrong. That's okay. God still blesses you because you're trying to do what God wants even if you botch it up along the way. He's your father. He wants you to do well. God is telling us that he's willing to lead us and that we can trust him. He even says, take it easy. It's going to be okay. But we have to listen. And if we listen, he says he's got it. Imagine you're in the finals of the NBA basketball game and, and, and LeBron is playing with you. He's not in it this year. That stinks. But, but you're on the team with LeBron. It's the last play of the game. It's timeout. And LeBron says to you, I got it. We're going to do this and this and I'm going to shoot it there. You'd be a fool to speak up at that point. Oh, no, LeBron, I think we should do this other thing. Instead, I think I should shoot it. That would be dumb. He's LeBron James. He's the best one. You don't tell him what to do or how to do it. Well, he's just a basketball player. I mean, a great basketball player, but God is God. You don't know more than God. And it's kind of dumb to argue with him. You're going to be happier if you listen to him, if you follow his advice. It can be hard in the moment. I've been there. I know. It's hard sometimes to follow. But God's got you if you do. That's the beauty of it. That's his promise. And he says we'll be fools if we're not willing to listen. He says he's willing to step in. God is willing to step into your life. So speaking of stepping in, let, let's do one last quick survey, okay? Here it is. Here's, here's my last quick survey. Your brakes go out at 80 miles an hour. What do you do? Jump out, try the emergency brake, steer to something soft, say your goodbyes, or say a prayer. Go ahead and vote. Oh, you're too late. It was 80. If you didn't respond already, it's too late. You're dead. I joke about it because it happened to me last week. It happened to me last week. Um, my son and I, my oldest son, Theo, um, we always go to Door County for a couple days in May to go fishing. It's really, really good smallmouth bass fishing in May up there. So we've done it for years. We're headed up there, and um, we missed our turn, our exit in Green Bay, and I was a little frustrated, okay? I, I hate being late. We're already behind. I don't deal with that stuff the best. So we miss our exit, not paying attention, and uh, 
we realize it, and now I'm a little frustrated. I want to catch up on time, so I speed up even faster. It's 70 miles an hour where we are, so now I'm going 80 to get to the next exit, okay? Which 80 is not like ridiculously over the speed limit, but it's pretty fast with a truck and a boat. So I'm going 80, and sure enough, a few miles down the road, there's another exit. The, the phone thing tells us to get up on that exit, turn around, and come back down the highway and go back to the other exit. So we're following the phone direction, and uh, going 80, I start to head off to the exit ramp. I hit the brakes, and there's no brakes. 80 miles an hour, truck and boat, pushed all the way down. Nothing happens at all. And in the moment, because this is going so fast, right? Like, I'm going to explain this, but the whole thing took just a few seconds. I, I, I slammed down the brakes. Nothing happened. And I thought I must hit the gas pedal. That's how it felt. If you can imagine, like, if you push the gas pedal all the way down, it just went right down to the floor. That's what happened with the brake pedal, right, right down to the floor. And I'm thinking it must be the gas. So I look down. I'm going to move my foot. And it's the brakes, so now, in like a moment, I'm looking like, where should I drive to? Should I try to go somewhere with the truck? Should I try to reach over and hit the emergency brake? Because I've never done that, but I've seen it on TV. You know, hit the emergency brake. What do you do? And in the midst of doing all that, just human reaction, I think, I just kept pumping the brakes like fast and hard. And um, we started to slow down a little bit. And the beautiful thing was the ramp that I accidentally got off on was dramatically uphill. So between going uphill on the ramp and slamming the brakes as fast and hard as I could, by the time we got to the top of the ramp where the stop sign was, there were no cars there. I blew through the stop sign and into oncoming traffic on the street above. It's uphill, through a stop sign, into the oncoming street. And there's no cars coming from either direction. And that's where I ended up stopping. I, I, I made it into the street. Like I was even looking like it was another ramp to go down. What would I do? I stopped in the road safe. Nothing bad happened. And then I look around, and there's a gas station with a repair shop, like right there, like just off the ramp, a couple hundred yards from where I was. So I just kind of coasted down that hill and into their parking lot, and I was just going like five miles an hour, and I, I was able to stop like halfway through their parking lot, and, and they were able to fix it right there. Now, what would have happened if I, if I would have got off on the right exit? That's a super busy exit. It's a major thoroughfare through Green Bay. There would have been other cars in front of me. So there, there wouldn't have been the room to stop. It wasn't uphill. I would have plowed into somebody at 80 or, or maybe a little bit less. Killed us, killed them, who knows. So was it a miracle? Even the fact that, oh, we missed our exit? Was it a miracle that we found a ramp that was dramatically uphill? What had happened was my brake line was rubbing against the inside of my tire. And it made a hole in the brake line and all the brake fluid went out down the highway. So there was no brake fluid, no brakes. And here I am at this exit with no cars, kind of a deserted exit, uphill, totally safe. Was it a miracle? I don't know. I don't know. People say it was. People say it wasn't. I really don't know. God hasn't told me in prayer or anything. I don't know why it happened the way it did, because it could have easily gone another way. But I do know this. It focuses you. Like the whole rest of the day, like once the car, it took a few hours for them to fix the car and we were able to keep going. Um, like I couldn't even go 55. It seemed way too fast. I couldn't drive the boat fast. Everything seemed super fast after that. It took like a day to sort of recover. But I was focused because that brings you back to like what's important in life, right? Because it could be over just like that. It just could. You know this in the back of your mind. You know that life can change in an instant, and that was a good example for me. God made it easier for me to want to listen to him. So I don't want to botch up my life. I do want to listen to God, but sometimes you need a reminder. He gave me that great reminder last week. Here's his reminder 
for you from Proverbs. So maybe you don't have to lose your brakes at 80. Here it is for you. My child, listen to me and treasure my instructions. Tune your, ear, tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and understanding. Search for them as you would lost money or hidden treasure. This is God, your Father, pleading with you. Listen to me. It's only the second chapter of Proverbs, and already he's reminding us to listen to him. This reads like a note from a parent, doesn't it, parents? Listen to me. This is God wanting you to listen. You're his child. And then he says, search. Listen and then search. Have you ever misplaced maybe your wallet or your purse or your keys or your cell phone and then you ran around like crazy trying to find it? Who's ever called their own cell phone to find their cell phone? Yeah, all right. That's everyone. All right. Right? We kind of go crazy. You lose like your, your, your wallet or your cell phone and you go into this panic like you got to find it. Where's my keys? I got to get to work. This is how God says we're supposed to search for him. Like we actually care. And then he says, if, if, if we search for him that way, he tells us what will happen. He answers, like, if you wonder what will happen if I search for God like that, he tells us in Proverbs 2.9. God says, then you will understand what is right and just and fair, and you will know how to find the right course of action every time. Don't you want that? Don't you want to know the right course of action in life? Wouldn't that be great if you just knew before you did everything you were doing the right thing? Personally speaking, I struggle with knowing what the right course of action is. Lots of times. It happens all the time where I think, maybe I should do it this way, maybe I should say that. And you kind of struggle through it, and you try to figure it out, whether it's parenting or being a husband or how to deal with people or finances, all sorts of things in life. So I'm relieved that God wants to advise me. I can't say that I listen perfectly, that I, that I never go my own way. Certainly I do. But I love knowing that I can come back and choose to listen to God anytime I want and that he promises to lead me if I do. God's advice for living life successfully can be the foundation of your daily life. God's advice is the foundation. I'm about to wrap up, and there's one more so in this text I need to show you. It's in Proverbs 2.20. It says, so, there's the big word again, so, so, so God teaches us all this, and then he says, So, join the company of good men and women. Keep your feet on the tried and true paths. So what he's saying there about good men and women and tried and true, pa- tried and true paths is this. Look, look for good examples to follow. Look, look to be involved with people who are doing things the right way. Your, your tried and true path, that's, that's his teaching. Scripture is your tried and true path. This whole summer sermon series, I want you to commit to it. We're going to teach God's wisdom from Proverbs all summer, all different ways and styles and do things. It won't be the same every week, but it'll be straight-up wisdom from God every week all summer. Commit to it. I want you to come every single week. Every single week that you can be here, come. Now, I know you're off on vacation or you've got a fun fishing tournament or golf event or family gathering. You might miss sometimes. But when you're able to come, don't sit around at home. Come. And when you're not able... Catch it online that week. But commit to hearing all the teaching from Proverbs this summer. Commit to it. Make that choice to improve your life. I believe you knowing God's wisdom and applying God's wisdom will improve your life this summer. This is for you this summer. I I believe it will improve the church as well because we're all one big messy family. It will improve us together. 
The staff believes this so much. Here's what we did this week. The staff chipped together this week, and we want to offer a prize. So here's, here's the idea. If you come to the services all summer or listen online, either way, and it'll be on your honor, at the end of the summer, you'll be able to send an email and, says, I, I, and say, I, I heard all the sermons. And if you do that, whoever does that, it probably won't be a ton of people. So you have a great chance to win. Whoever does that, the staff chipped together and we got you two gifts. Someone will win at the end of summer. The first is a night in Madison at this hotel. I forgot the name. It, it, it's Sam and Meg Prowitz's favorite hotel in Madison. It's a fun place that they like to go. It's really cool, really swanky. So you're going to have a night at this hotel in Madison, and then also that'll be paid for, and then also a gift card to a local restaurant that's really, really nice. So a night at a hotel and a, and a nice night out for dinner, that's going to be the, the gift from the staff to you at the end of the summer. All you have to do is, is send in a note to say that you did it. We're excited about that. So that, that's one way that you get on the right path. Another way is this. Choose to read Proverbs at home this summer. It's like 15 minutes a week. If you read 15 minutes a week, you'll get through all 31 chapters of Proverbs this summer. We have free Bibles. They're, in, they're by the Welcome Center. Take one on your way out if you'd like. It's a gift from the church. But I want you to be willing to do that. 15 minutes a week of proverb reading, you could do that. I'm going to do it. If I'm going to do it, you can do it. And, and what would be really fun for me is if you find certain Proverbs that are your favorite this summer, like you read one, it's like, oh, I love that one, send me an email. Say, oh, Mike, I really love, you know, chapter 4, verse 30, or whatever it is. It's my favorite one so far. Go ahead. And that, that'll be fun for me. That's an encouragement to me during the week to hear from you. So please do that. The other way you can get around great people is this. Join a ministry team. We, here we say everybody plays. Everyone's welcome to play. Everyone's welcome to be part of things here. So join it. Just, just send a note. Say, I want to be on some team. You're going to be around other great people. You're surrounded with great people right now. All different experiences and personalities, but at their core, great people. This will be a way for you to get around them, like Scripture says. Keep the company of good men and women. That's God's advice to you. You could say, oh, forget it, God. I don't, know. I don't want to do that. That'd be dumb. That'd be foolish, because God says it is good for you. And then finally, one more step that you could take. It's happening right now. You're missing it. But in, in the summer, all the, the, the seminars that we have, the Everybody Seminars, you'll see them advertised all the time. They happen in the second service. Go to them. There's, there's great people at those seminars. You'll meet all the staff there, and you'll learn some great things too. So these are practical ways, like we said earlier, that you can apply God's wisdom this summer. What I'm going to do for you now as I close is ask that God would bless you. I'm going to ask him to help you remember to read your Proverbs this summer and to live in a way that he would bless so that you can live successfully this summer. If you want that, bow your heads, and I'll ask God to bless all of us. Dear Lord, thank you for just the way you wrote the book of Proverbs. It's so straightforward and so practical. It's just easy to read, God, and hear you speaking. So thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Lord, help us in the midst of our busy lives to focus and to take time to take in your wisdom. And then, God, even more so, help us apply it. Help us live differently. Help us live successfully. Help us live in a way, God, that you'd be willing to bless. We ask this in Jesus' name. Thanks for being here this morning. Do you ever wish you could do more? Maybe you hear about injustices, hurt, or simply just needs that aren't being met. It seems there are so many needs in the world, and many times it feels like you don't know where to start or that you can even make that big of a difference. Well, when you give at RCC, you are making a difference. Did you know that since the very beginning of RCC, 10% of every offering is used for missions, things in our community, state, nation, and world? Over the past 17 years of RCC, we've tithed $835,000, and that's from your generous giving. 
Each month, we are highlighting a specific ministry at RCC, and this month, it's what's been accomplished in missions because of your giving. You can go to rccsunday.com to get the full scoop and the Bible verses that drive our giving, but I want to tell you about one specific thing that's happened over the past few years. RCC has supported the Believe Ministry in India. With these resources that we've sent to this ministry, here's what's been accomplished. We have funded building two churches, which are also used as schools. We help pay for supplies at a Bible college that has over 200 students. We help buy Bibles and bikes. I love the sound of that as a biker. But these two things will equip around 500 church planters to start and build a church community in a small village. We have helped pay for outreach events in India, much like our own here, that have brought in over 20,000 people. Your generosity is not only making a difference in Ripon, it's making a difference around the world. The hosts are going to come forward and receive the offering now. And as they do, know that there are a couple ways you can take part in this. If you came prepared to give, you can support RCC Ministries by dropping your gift in the basket as it's passed down your row. Or you can give online with your phone. You can do that right now. First, go to your settings and connect to the RASD public Wi-Fi. Then go to rccsunday.com and click on the giving icon and it will walk you through the steps. Even if you didn't come prepared to give today, check out rccsunday.com to see more about what we are supporting. We're glad you decided to be a part of our service today. The band will now lead us with more worship as we close out the service.